Start your day the right way by taking charge of your physical and mental fitness. It's important to know your numbers. They determine if your blood pressure is high or low, your cholesterol balance, even your blood sugar level, heart rate, and much more. Get tested by visiting your doctor, clinic, or stop by at any health center closest to you. Take control today. This message is from Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela. This is Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela. Good morning. Today we'll be talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a quite common condition in women, but not a lot of women do know everything they need to know about it. Thank you, Dr. Leo, for coming on the program. It's a pleasure to have you with us again. Thank you, Dr. Pamela and team for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to be here today. Okay, so today we're talking about PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. As a gynecologist, it's something you manage. But can you just say briefly how people present, what it means to have polycystic ovarian syndrome? What is it? Again, thank you once more. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, like you said, is a very popular endocrine disorder. In fact, it's one of the leading causes of anovulation infertility in women. Um, what is an ovulation? So these are women that are not ovulating. So they sometimes what they come with is I'm not menstruating. But when we kind of trace it back, we know is that they're not ovulating, which is why they are not menstruating. So one of the things we, we talk about as PCS is that it's a spectrum and it's an enigmatic disease condition. Women present with multiple symptoms. Some will just have like mild variants. Some will come with the whole, whole spectrum. So when you ask, what do they usually present with? As gynecologists, what we usually see is, oh, I've not been seeing my period. Um, some, now some are informed enough to know that, okay, I'm, I have masculine hair distribution. My I have more acne than usual. And there's some of this sudden weight gain, like they just go from maybe like a moderate size to like two or three times um, higher than their normal size. But most importantly, what you see people coming for is the menstrual irregularities or inability um, to conceive. However, when we're evaluating them and historically we're able to find out other things like, oh yes, you've been struggling with weight, you've been having some of them on evaluation, they already have elevated blood pressure. By the time we do tests, they have lipid issues here, I mean, cholesterol is high. Um, some of them even have had conditions that are still salient when the cost of investigation it's already put out that is multi-systemic impact on their bodies. So you described it already, but how do women get it? Are they born with it? Do they get it through infections? You know, who's at risk? So, um, I mean, this question you're asking, I wish that we could have like an answer to it. Like, uh, we'll probably become like billionaire doctors if we could. But one of, we, we talk about risk factors. So in a lot of women, it's mostly genetic. And uh, you find that maybe their moms, their aunts, their sisters had it. If people have a lot of theories, but you can't really say this is exactly what leads to polycystic ovarian syndrome. In fact, we're still having a lot of discussions on even the diagnostic criteria that we use. So because it's a spectrum, and like I said, it's not a one size fits all. It's like a combination of symptoms and risk factors that people have with it. Some of those things are even association or manifestations, but really it's genetic. And uh, we're still looking for the exact root cause of um, PCS. But it's not from infective causes. It's something that happens where there is a challenge in the woman being able to effectively ovulate, and uh, which now leads to... Uh, I, I don't want to take us through the scientific process of that, but it's just 
a defect in ovulation process. They are unable to recruit single egg. They recruit multiple eggs. These follicles do not mature enough, and these follicles produce hormones, and which is why you hear a lot of people saying, "I have hormonal imbalance. I have hormonal disorders." This is what leads to the manifestation of PCOS that the women come with. What is very interesting is you said, you know, the women can't ovulate, and yet it's passed out from family to family. And if their mothers couldn't ovulate, how did they have them? Why, you know, so you're you're confusing people here. You know, <laughs> can they get pregnant if they don't ovulate? You know. Can you explain that? Okay. So for me to explain effectively, let me briefly go through what normal ovulation feels like. So women have born with a fixed number of eggs, like we're born with it. And every month we recruit a group of eggs and one or two, we effectively ovulate it. Now the brain sends signals to the womb that this woman is likely to ovulate. She's likely to be to have fertilization and get pregnant. So we usually menstruate any month when ovulation has um, occurred, the uterus has been prepared for pregnancy, and then suddenly there's no pregnancy. That is how we menstruate. So for a woman that ovulates regularly, she can predict when she's likely to menstruate as well, once there's no fertilization that can lead to pregnancy. Now, for women with anovulation or oligoovulation, so we have those that do not ovulate at all and we have those that ovulate irregularly, is that they don't have a pattern. So the, the body tries to recruit egg as it should normally. Some months, it misses it. Occasionally, they break through and then they are able to sort of um, ovulate effectively. So that's for those that are able to get pregnant. So you hear people that, even people that have PCOS, sometimes you hear them having delayed for two, three years, then without intervention, sometimes one ovulation successfully happens and then they get pregnant. Now, for a lot of people that say, oh, but if it's genetic, some of them, their parents did seek care for it and they were able to conceive. However, one of the things that is also common is that women also develop it at different age age groups. So when we see patients, they come to you, oh, my menses was regular until I was like 25, 26, and then suddenly it became regular. So if a woman starts a family before then, then, which in some cases, that's what happened to their parents. They kind of started their families um, a bit earlier and then they were able to conceive. And then, like I said, it's a spectrum. Some have um, more regular ovulations than some others, even though it's not as predictable as someone that doesn't have um, PCOS. But when you, when they come to you, you you meet them. Some of them say, okay, I, ovulate, I, I menstruated maybe two, three months ago. You still see that breakthrough because once in a while, they're still able to mount up what they need to prepare that endometrium or their womb for pregnancy. And when pregnancy doesn't happen, they're able to menstruate. So those such window of, of, of opportunity for them is also a conception opportunity for them. So well, that's one thing I always tell PCS patients that I see because I see a lot of young people, they're not even in a relationship. Their only concern is, am I going to be able to get pregnant when it's time? But it doesn't mean that, oh, I have PCS, I can't get pregnant. It's a spectrum. Some of them have um, menstrual um, regularities, but you see the PCOS on scan, or they have all those features of having excessive male hormones in their circulation, but it doesn't necessarily fully disrupt their ovulation or menstruation pattern. Now, what are some of the other, um, you know, we're talking about the other symptoms. You've talked about it, that they can present with, to a gynecologist. Okay. So depending on what, like I said, depending on what hormone is distorting their own system the most, the ones we usually see is the irregular menstruation pattern. That one is quite common. So you hear people say, oh, I, I, sometimes I've not seen my period in like three, four months, and then suddenly it comes, 
or is very scanty and all that first. The other one that is common as a gynecologist is I'm trying to get pregnant and then in the course of evaluating them, you find out that they have that. But the ones that we are able to extract from their history are things like, okay, yes, I've been struggling with my weight. We know that there's obesity. Some of them come with mood changes, anxiety, um, even sleep disorders, because these are associated with the uh, hormonal disorder, the metabolic syndrome they present with. Some of them are already having um, features suggestive of cardiovascular um, disorders, easy fatigability, they are having palpitations. They are generally unwell, but they don't associate it with the PCOS. They just think it's another thing, or maybe they think it's the psychological impact of the PCOS. And then there's the one that they even tell you, which is like a reflection on their relationship, especially those in community relationships, loss of libido, loss of interest in all of the anxiety, body image dysmorphia. I mean, they present with all those um, sort of history when you talk to them. So you, it's, like I said, it's multi-systemic. They could literally, even some present with alopecia, their hair is falling off because the high um, male hormones they have is also associated with some sort of balding. So that's also another um, presentation you can see in them. Unfortunately, we also have Dr. Oguntaya with us on the program. Dr. Oguntaya, as a GP, what leads you, how do you know when you have patients with uh, PCOS? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Pamela. Thank you for having me here. Um, so most times when patients come um, to the clinic, you see, making diagnosis is a combination of history taking and then investigation and then examination. You know, so most times they come with the complaints of basically I'm not seeing my period, you know, you know, because um, most Nigerians or Africans believe that you need to pass out that bad blood. So they believe it's bad blood, it needs to come out. If it's in my body, it is bad blood. So that gets them worried. Or some of them come with um, excessive aching, um, you know. So the history is number one. Oligomenorrhea, which is about less than 10 cycles in a year or um, longer cycle, more than 35 days. So they, they come to the clinic. I mean, I see my period every now and then or I've not seen it in six months. You know, So now that's number one presentation. Other people present with uh, infertility. I'm trying to conceive after two years, after three years, and my period is not regular. It used to be regular and now it's more regular. You know, other people present that my acne just came out so bad and so bad. So that's number one, the history. The history points you then investigation, you know, um, in the early 20s, when PCOS was a discussion, there was this meeting done in Rotterdam, and they came out with this Rotterdam criteria. You know, of course, there are other criteria that people still think that, but there is the, majorly the Rotterdam criteria, which is the ovulatory dysfunction, number one, which is an ovulation. Well, I think we won't go too much into the, we won't go too much into the technical details, but the issue being okay. that they do okay. present to you as the GP, and you, you refer them to the gynecologist when needed? Yes. No, sometimes we don't, because like uh, Dr. Lewis said, over, uh, PCOS is a spectrum. As this we talk, we're taught um, um, in um, the college, as in, you can't really treat PCOS. You have to treat the symptoms the person comes with. You know, someone is just come with an ovulation, need to have children. Just hold on to when you're about to have kids. Then we are going to treat the PCOS. Someone comes with acne. We treat the acne. We either give a contraceptive pill, combined contraceptive pill, and then we treat within the clinic, you know, and then do a follow-up. Or someone comes with obesity. We treat the obesity by exercise. But then we don't refer to the gynecologist. But when the person has infertility, that is when we now say, oh, we need to send you to the gynecologist. Thank you very much. You're listening to Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela. 
Okay, Dr. Gutaya, so I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to bring you back to one of the things you uh, said. Thank you for the conversation we've been having so far. And this is very important because we find that a lot of people, what they hear when they go to a doctor that says they have PCOS and say, um, you don't need to go to a gynecologist is that you don't need care. And one of the things I talked about at the beginning of my this conversation was that PCOS is a multisystemic disorder. Not seeing their period or not ovulating is a component of PCOS. So the fact that they're not interested in increasing their family size or getting pregnant now does not mean that the insulin resistance, the metabolic syndrome they're having has not started doing damage already. So, but I find that for a lot of patients, they would just say, well, I went to a doctor and said, I should not worry until I want to have children. So that conversation, that thing has to be clarified there that I'm saying that for now, in as much as having a child is not your priority, you must continue to be on the care. And you know, as a general practitioner, you're at the point of thought for quite a number of all these disorders that people usually come um, with. So I I'm taking you up on that. So, yeah. Dr. Lutaya, Dr. Lutaya, please respond. <laughs> okay okay so so um, actually that's that was not what i meant when i said uh we we do not treat it no no that's not that's not true because the truth is that the exposure the prolonged exposure to estrogen in itself is a problem it brings obese obesity and also eventually in life endometrial hyperplasia and also endometrial cancer the prolonged exposure to estrogen without the progesterone. So we treat PCOS. PCOS always comes with one symptom or the other. Either oligomenorrhea, it means they are not menstruating. So we treat the um, anovulation. We treat the obesity, which importantly, the first key is weight loss. Some of them comes with insulin resistance. You understand? Which is the essence of the obesity and the cardiovascular problem. We treat the cardiovascular problem. We treat the metabolic symptom, the hypertension, the um, increase in um, waist circumference, the hyperlipidemia or dyslipidemia. We treat all that. You understand? But however, I those think, of them... Yes, I think, I think what she's trying to emphasize yes. is the fact that when you say don't worry, people just literally take it for granted that you say don't worry about that. But what I think she's, she's trying to emphasize is you shouldn't just tell them not to worry. They, they actually have, they have reason to worry. There's actually, yeah, yeah. you know, the metabolic syndrome that is starting off. They need yeah. to actually keep tabs with you and, and make sure they follow up with you. But one of the things that a lot of people do is they go to the herbalist and mm. they go get herbs, they do this, they do that. You know, what is it, your experience? Does it look like how, how are you finding that they're going elsewhere? How does that affect their overall health at the end of the day? Yeah, uh, thank you, Dr. Pamela. We, we see this a lot in our clinic. You know, young ladies uh, patronizing these guys online that says all these kind of things. Your period is not coming. You need to flush, you know, and they give them some herbal concussions, you know, some things to insert in the vagina. So you need to understand that the PCOS is an endocrine dysfunction. No amount of herbs or concussion will flush out anything. It is a rule, it is a it's crime, it's a crime, it's a scam. No amount of all that will take out anything. You need to see a doctor who will prescribe and it is treatable. That is very important that we emphasize. PCOS and its symptoms are treatable within the medical care. Dr. Lewo? Yeah, so just to further buttress that is one of the 
one of the challenges I've always had with a lot of um, people that patronize traditional medical practitioners is most times you find that there's no dose. They don't know what they're using. They don't know the side effects. In fact, we see some of them that come to you and tell you that their symptoms did improve, but they don't know the impact of what they are taking on their other systems. So we've had people that say, oh, I went to go and use these herbs and then they cured what they had and then came up with kidney problems. So th that is one of the things we kind of tend to see. So when we see those that, and but then again, we have to also strike a balance. All the things that we do in our communities are actually um, an indicator of our value systems and our culture. So it's quite difficult when you have these conversations with them. Someone that's been trying to get pregnant for five, six years, there are two mothers and all the parents and family members are all bringing in ideas on what they should use. So the first thing we do is this drug that they gave you, this other concussion, do you know what is inside? It's an opportunity to even educate them on kidney uh, disease, liver disease, how this can even cause. I had a patient that had delay in con conceiving she's still on our care and she took some herbs that they combined for her and she bled for almost two months straight wow and so by the time she came she had ended up having anemia and then we asked her do you know what they gave you no do you know how to you she was just taking it there was no control so that is an opportunity to let people know that a lot of all these things anything you take you must know what it is what is in it and then you have to also look at your whole body you're trying to see your period but you're damaging your kidneys you're damaging your liver your blood pressure is shooting up i had one recently that used about concussion and came back came with both legs swelling up so it's the fact that they don't know what is in what they are taking that we keep emphasizing to them in a way that doesn't sort of like um how do I put it? in a way that doesn't effectively disconnect them from their culture and they have to be able to have that conversation with those that are bringing it to them that see my life is at stake here you're taking care of this problem and creating another one so yeah, we do see it a lot. And even, even in obstetrics, generally, there, there are bigger trial medical centers that even see more patients than the hospital. But we now have to be the ones to talk about when the complications come, they have to come to us. So we have to consistently have this conversation over and over again. Like if they, you don't know what they're giving you, what they're doing for you, you shouldn't put your life in such um, hands. And also, I think Dr. Guntayo mentioned that they tell them to put things in their vaginas, which can be corrosive and all that, I don't think. Yes, yes, that, that one too. They come with gynatracia, they come with all sorts of things from using all those herbal concoctions. It's a very interesting one because I think a lot of women, because it's so common and, and because eventually with that, anu, anu, you know, the anovulation and the occasional ovulation, it, it doesn't matter where they go, they will actually get pregnant usually, which is why they can go anywhere and take anything. Or is that, you understand, that, is that the thought? Or how do we want to address that? Because we need to, you know, people are listening now and they're getting, you know, they need to get a message from us. What should they really do? If people have these symptoms, what should they do? Uh, if they have this symptom, the first point of contact is to see a doctor. Well, what I want to also emphasize is early presentation. Now, I, I give you an example. Someone that has PCOS and decided to wait till their late 30s or early 40s before seeing a doctor. Remember that ovarian function decreases with age. So the first thing I'll say, see a doctor and see a doctor on time. So it's not just seeing a doctor. Some, some people have lived with it for 10 years before they decided to see a doctor. That's the first thing. Second thing is PCOS is not automatically you can't get pregnant, which is one thing I like to always emphasize. Like you rightly said, some of them just have oligomenorrhea. Some of them still menstruate once in three months. They ovulate once in three months. So they can get pregnant at such times. Because one of the things we find is that 
the fear of not getting pregnant or being infertile is what prompts them to use a lot of all those things that they do on their own. And we do put premium on pregnancy and childbirth in our culture and values. So that's the first thing. Secondly, it is also to learn patience. So when you come to, like if you come into our practice, we tell you, if you're trying to conceive, it's not magic. There are steps to this. We'll take a history. We evaluate because a lot of people are also self-diagnosed of PCOS. It's not every menstrual disorder or not seeing your period or not ovulating that is PCOS. But because PCOS is so common, they just diagnose themselves of PCOS or their friends diagnose them of PCOS because all of them are not seeing your period. But sometimes it's not even PCOS. For some people, it's hyperprolactinemia. Some people, it, it's totally unrelated to their, their, their ovaries are not polycystic. There's no sign of um, male hormones dominance. They don't fit into the diagnostic criteria in any form. So that's the first thing I say. You need to be quickly diagnosed. And then you also need to embrace the lifestyle change. And for women with PCOS, I say, non-menstruation or non-ovulation or non-conceiving is one component of it. Those other components are also going to improve your quality of life. Because it's not just to get pregnant. A woman with PCOS has to take care of herself. If not, they also have higher level of miscarriages in them as well. So it's not just they have more GDM in pregnancy, hypertensive disorders in pregnancy. So why are you coming and we're like, okay, I know you're trying to get pregnant. I, want, I know you want us to stimulate you, but your BMI is almost 50. We have to control your weight. We have to control this diabetes you have. We have to control this cholesterol problem you have. So when a woman is being diagnosed effectively and we're now sure it's PCOS, the holistic care, when we say you need to see a cardiologist, we need to bring in an endocrinologist. Don't say, actually, you're a doctor, do everything. It doesn't work like that. So that's one message I would like the um, women that have PCOS to go with today. And it's not a sentence of you can't get pregnant. A lot of women with PCOS do get pregnant. And I think for me, the overwhelming uh, um, message I also get from you is it doesn't end with pregnancy. Please. The, you know, the, the PCOS is an endocrine disorder that is actually going to carry on afterwards. So you will still need care afterwards. And that's why it's so important that, you know, a GP clinic, like the, the medicine center clinic, is you, you you see your GP, you see your gynecologist, such as in your clinic, Dr. Lewu, you see your the, whoever needs to be seen, but you don't stop once you've had the baby. Because, or go, only go back when you want another baby. You now carry on. So, unfortunately, time is against us. I just want you to ask, answer a question and give a, a few last words for our listeners. Is PCOS preventable? Well, unfortunately, I can't say it's preventable, but I wish I could say that. In fact, the two things I'll say, PCOS is not preventable per se, and it's not curable. It is treatable. It's manageable. That's what we talk about. However, if you have a risk factor for PCOS, early lifestyle modification is a win-win for you. So you have a strong family history of people having PCOS, and then maybe it's associated with obesity in your own case. Early, um, like you're exercising, you're eating right, you're doing all those things. It will sort of because weight loss management is one of the lines of treatment for women with PCOS and obesity. So we talk about you modifying your lifestyle early. But like I said, if it's genetic in some cases, like in a lot of cases, uh, really, you, you, there's really not much you can do about it. Really, it's just that lifestyle modification. If you're at risk, unless because it's so common, let's just assume every woman is at risk. So we should all embrace healthier lifestyle. And um, hopefully the genes will, you know, there's something called epigenetics. Genes do change over time. If we embrace early lifestyle, there may be some modification in the DNA that will help. Now, I understand you have a very, you know, large community online that follows. So 
So for more information, if people want to know more about PCOS, how can they follow you? Yes, I have a community on Twitter, we on Niger OBGYN Doctor. Um, so you can follow me at Niger OBGYN. And this month is actually PCOS Awareness Month. So we're going to be putting out a lot of information on PCOS. So you can follow on at Niger OBGYN Doctor. And I'm also on Instagram, the same handle, Niger OBGYN Doctor. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela.